Hello, celebrity gossip enthusiasts. I'm Travis Cronin. You're listening to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. Well, today, thank goodness I am joined by my two hosts. The first, she was the first woman to be thrown out of Buckingham Palace after trying to steal Prince Harry, Gwen Flamberg. Guilty as charged. <laughs> and she is the former Duchess of Northern New Jersey, Sarah Huron. I still live in New Jersey. Did I get dethroned? You sure did. Danielle Staub took my crown? Danielle Staub took your crown. She was lifting those biceps by the pool, and they were like, nope, this is the Duchess of New Jersey right here. Slather on the spray tan. Well, today, guys, we really have to get into it. We have two countries at, in a media war, a pop star's puppies being saved, a bachelor season turned on its head, a pop star and country star getting hitched, and much, much more. Before we dive into this very, very newsy and exciting week for us, let's some, set some intentions. You know, it's a good way to start a day, a yoga class, have some intentions. But this is not for us. This is for a celebrity, something you want to see more of, something you want to see less of. Let's kick it off. Sarah Huron, who is your intention for este dia? Well, you know, The Bachelor is always on my mind, but this week, the two royal families, the Kardashians and the actual royal family, have really taken over everything, and I know we're going to dive in, but I just have to say, one, an intention for our listeners, there has been an every Kardashian episode ever marathon on E! That has been giving me so much joy. I watched Kim and Chris Humphreys get married this morning like it was 2013 or 20, 2011 all over again. The disclaimer about the 72-day divorce. Oh, God. It was just so good. So I encourage everyone to tune in. At all hours of the night, you'll be seeing Chloe and Lamar. You'll be seeing Courtney and Kim take Miami. It's it's just flawless television. Um I thought your attention was going to be for Lamar today because he's watching them all. So, yeah. So long story short, Lamar (laughs) tuned in to Chloe and Lamar, which, wow, precious gem. I just want Lamar, you know, I don't know what I want for him to do. I want him to be okay. And I kind of want the Kardashians to respond to Lamar's post about watching Chloe and Lamar. He posted this video of him watching clips from the show. He put in all these hashtags. He called them American royalty. He tagged everyone in the family. He thanked them for the experience. Um, and I would love to see the Kardashians. I know, you know, Chloe's back with Tristan. And I don't think Lamar and her had a great marriage, but I'd love to see just a little camaraderie, a little love between the Odom and Kardashian family here. Mm, good luck with that. He really is seemed to be like thirst tagging them. So I really hope he gets a little like call out play for all the work he's putting in. I mean, he literally was like sitting in front of his TV with someone taping him watching these old episodes. Like what good content though, Lamb Lamb. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lamb Lamb. Gwen Flamberg, who are you going to attend upon today? My intention, you guys, is for Stanley Tucci. I know that might come out of left field, but listen, Stanley Tucci has been like recently referred to as like the internet's boyfriend. And here's my intention for him. He should be my boyfriend. Call me Stanley Tucci. Isn't he married? Yes. He might be married right now, but Sarah, listen, years ago, not that many years ago, maybe like seven, maybe like 12, something like that. I met him at a charity event, a black tie. He sort of approached me. Here was my line. Are you ready? Yeah. Here's the line that friends, you should never repeat. I said to him, my mother is obsessed with you. Oh, I know. I know. So I blew it then. But listen, Stanley, 
Didn't you use your dad was obsessed with Derek? That line didn't work then. Why did you think it was going to work with Stanley? Derek Jeter. By the way, it, it totally worked with Derek. Okay, okay. Just I saying. actually didn't want to. I know that you want to date Derek Jeter. I don't want to date Derek Jeter. I'm okay, not I'm just... interested in him in this way. We should I both try him to sign to date. a goddamn ball for my dad. And he did. And he did. But Stanley okay. Tucci, listen, I would like to search for Italy with you, you know, and you could search for Italy with me. I'll tell you where Italy is. All right. Oh, she has a new line. If you ever run into each other, there you go. Everyone's <laughs> loving the CNN special and now you have your perfect in. That's a good one. Well, you blew it one time. Hopefully next time you'll blow it in all the right ways. Oh my my intention for today is for the editors of Real Housewives of New Jersey. I have a bone to pick with you, Emmer Effers. Um, they made it seem in the trailer that Melissa was cheating on Joe with this manager of a restaurant while all the girls were on their girls trip to Lake George, hashtag COVID, not flying overseas. And I was so disappointed when it was just a prank. And the housewives, especially in New Jersey, have so much real drama this season. I do not need a bait and switch. I do not need that to be like new housewives thing. So I need them to stop realness. You know, you know, what's so crazy is like we need Melissa to some degree because of her Teresa connection. And we definitely need Joe Gorga on the show. But I, Melissa's storylines are always just so bizarre, like the long-lost sister, the fake wanting another baby, and now this, like, alleged marital trouble. Like, I feel like she should just be a friend of. Yeah, she's not really on display, on display every day on that show, is she? On display, on display, display. each and every day. <laughs> Well, I hope that that has hurt of the ethos because bad form Real Housewives of New Jersey editors. All right, guys. Well, World War Three, the world, the war of the worlds, the war to end all wars. It's been called many names, but we're just calling her Megan. The revolution has come and she's not wearing tights. Yes, of course, I am talking about all of the drama sounding the royal family and the current American transplants, Harry and Meghan, you know, they have their interview coming up. Buckingham Palace is trash talking them ahead of it. There is so much to unpack. Gwen, why don't you tell us a little bit about the interview and what we can expect and some of your favorite parts that we get to see this coming Sunday? Well, here's the thing. It's the whole thing is like, Forget the Super Bowl, forget the Oscars, forget no. maybe even the Met Gala. This Sunday is going to trump all Sundays for me. Okay. No. Now, in terms of some little Easter eggs we've gotten from fashion, yeah. Megan wears a bracelet that was Princess Diana's. <laughs> now, it's not the first piece of jewelry that she's worn. You know, she's got that. Is it other earrings? Or they? I mean, she's worn like she a bunch has of earrings and a ring. ring. She's a ton of Princess Diana stuff, and she's worn it. But interesting that for this interview, she's donning this bracelet. Prince Harry, he wore something significant too. He re-wears that gray suit that he had worn to Archie's christening. Okay, but that's not the most significant thing when it comes to fashion. You guys, tell us what is it. Megan is wearing this black dress with a white floral pattern. And do you know who she is channeling in that dang dress? Do the words Wallace Simpson mean anything to you guys? Yes, I'm learning a lot about her. She's basically the OG Meghan Markle. Am I right? <laughs> She's kind of like the 1930s Meghan Markle. Yes, she was a famous American actress who married the former 
Prince Edward VIII, who then abdicated the throne, and Elizabeth's father, who became King George, then had to take the throne. And it became a huge point of contention because the royal family kind of alludes to the fact that all of this stress is what led to King George's cancer, you know, for him to die early and for Elizabeth to become queen at 24. Blah, blah, blah. Megan's dress contention is like her. Wallace Simpson was a famous royal divider. That's all that you need to know. Okay. And Wallace Simpson wore, the, in a very famous photograph, wore this black dress with a white floral pattern. Looks very similar to the dress that Megan chose to wear. Where? For this tell-all. Coincidence, you guys? I, I think, think not. No. I think not. Smoking salmon. Exactly. Nothing You're is learning. coincidence. You are learning, young grasshopper. I'm so proud. <laughs> Nothing is coincidence in this interview. Every move, every word has been thought out. Sarah, give us your take on the drama. Tell us what's going on. Oh, my God. I mean, I have had so many thoughts about Harry and Meghan since the day we found out they were dating. I have gone through every emotion. I loved her. I still think she's beautiful. I thought they I think they're a cute couple. Um but, you know, I, I always go back to, I just feel as though if this was not the life they wanted, they should not have had that big wedding. They should have not had the taxpayers pay for everything. They should have not embraced all this, started all these charities with Will and Kate and done everything to leave less than a like a year or two years after the wedding, a year after Archie was born. It just doesn't really make sense to me, the timing of it all. Very whirlwind. Do I think that Megan was mistreated by the British media? Of course. There's no denying yeah. it. Um, do I think that there were some things going on in the palace that on both sides, yes, I think there has to maybe be some truth to some of this stuff that's coming out now about this bullying allegations, because, it, you know, the timing suspicious, 100%. Was this released to try to take away from this interview? Yes, I think so. Yes. But it does it does it make sense if there's several different palace aides saying stuff? Could there be something to that? Sure. But do I also think that, um, you know, it's easy to paint Megan in a negative light? Yes. So I think that there's everyone is at fault here. It's taken such a messy, dirty turn. Part of me is really sad. Part of me can't get enough. I (laughs) cannot wait until Sunday. I cannot wait. Well, let me tell you what a source told us, Sarah. Um, And the assumption from friends close to Meghan and Harry is that the palace released this statement, of course, the statement that was in the Times, accusing her of bullying, to strike back at Harry and Meghan for doing the CBS interview. The source goes on to say, the palace knows they will not be cast in the best light by Harry and Meghan on Sunday and doesn't want Harry and Meghan coming off as victims. Friends close to the situation believe that the Times article and statement by Buckingham Palace is a retaliation for this interview. The accusations of Meghan bullying staff members were mostly the palace and personal aides who were in charge of reminding Harry and Meghan about the royal protocols. That's why there was so much tension between Harry and Meghan and these, you know, palace aides mentioned in the Times story. You know, knowing that, Gwen, does this change how you feel about it at all? No. (laughs) No, I I just, I'm so, I still just can't get over the whole thing. I can't get over the whole thing. I can't get uh, over the whole thing. I will see, say this, something that, sorry, yeah. Travis, not to cut you off really quick. No, just to can, Something that is interesting to me is when the palace doesn't, does and doesn't respond to things. Like there are reports all the time that, about what's going on and sometimes they ignore them and sometimes they release a statement. And I think it's very telling that they decided to look into the allegations, 
now from a long time ago. I mean, obviously it just came out, but like uh, Megan and Harry haven't lived in London or worked for the palace in over a year. So these yeah. are old allegations. They take these very seriously. But then if Megan, you know, maybe reported something to them, who knows if they looked into that or when Megan felt like she was being harassed, they did have defended her sometimes and other times. Like it's, it's fascinating to me what the behind the scenes of when the palace speaks out when they don't. And that I think says everything we need to know about the fact that they spoke out now because of the CBS thing. I think that's all you need to know. The fact I mean, that they, is, the, I'm the sorry. Fact I, that's a, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Traffic. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, of course, they are investigating it now because there's so much news happening. But it's just so astounding to me that the person who has been complaining for years about bullying is now being accused of bullying. See, I thought that this was clearly, clearly a retaliation from the palace. The timing is really, really obvious. And it sort of had me side with Megan a little bit more because she goes into this place. She wants to make some changes, shake up the royal family. And she's young, American, flashy, a woman of color asking for what she wants. And she's sort of being subdued and pushed down as so many women in that position are. And mm-hmm. it's really sort of made me come around to Meghan Markle that she was trying to live her own life and they were like actually we're gonna give you this life and I sort of get I know that she signed up for royal life but I don't think she signed up for the control of quote the firm as they are called them because the crown is a business and I also don't you know, I'm not British, so I don't know, but I feel like maybe the money could be going other places on a side note. So that's what really made me come around to Meghan Markle and sort of side with her and all of this. I do agree with things you're saying there, Travis, for sure. I just always go back to like, yeah, you did know. Like how many, like they're not going to change that much. I don't get what they, they thought they were going to be doing. And also the narrative is like, if Harry always wanted a way out, then why did they pretend? they were going to embrace it. Like, I just don't know how they ever thought they were going to really change things. So I don't get the Mm. back and forth, the wish wash of it all. But I do. I totally get what you mean. Uh, Clearly, the one thing we do know is that Megan, they they were trying to change things and the palace said no. And that's where this divide happened. But it's taken a nasty turn. Yeah, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. It's so hard because from what sources have told us that these people accusing Megan of bullying, it sort of seems like they were the one trying to silence and push her down. So it, I can see it not being bullying and see it more her trying to stand up for herself. But I really go back and forth with all of this. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Hopefully we get answers on Sunday. If all of this was hyped up for nothing, I'm going to lose my mind. So this better be juicy seriously and i think that it's like we have to say that we heard from sources close to william and the queen that they are furious with this interview that they don't want their dirty laundry shared and it's a really tricky situation because prince and um, prince harry and Meghan want to share their truth and move on but i don't think it should come at the expense of trashing his whole family which leads us by the way into prince philip Oh my goodness. I'm so sad, you guys. Poor He's Prince still in the Philip. Hospital. Yeah. Tell, Gwent, me tell us how Megan is killing Prince Philip. Stop. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, Prince Philip is still in hospital and he was transferred to another hospital and he just underwent a procedure for a heart condition that was that was found out. And the procedure was successful according to reports. However, you know, Prince Philip is 99. He's in the hospital for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I just don't think that he needs this stress right now. 
Uh, yeah, crumbling, crumbling. The timing and the, of all of this is so crazy. The timing of that is really, really wild. And I think that we can all agree with Sarah that we just need answers on Sunday. If we get more fluff back and forth, uh, I don't know. But like, Gwen, you're a very, you know, pro crown, which is good. Do you think that there's any way that these relationships could ever heal after this? Or do you think this is it done? It's it depends what comes out. Um, I do think, you know, I have heard that they go so far as to say that the firm is perpetuating um, negative actions towards them uh, mm. or you know, the firm is still manipulating the situation. Um, and that's quite, uh, you know, listen, yes, I am pro-Crown, but also I am pro um keeping it real shall we say and yeah. you know to say that they're doing this interview because they want to move on do they do they want to move on because you know what if you just wanted to move on you would like just move on and not air this dirty laundry to the world you want attention you want notoriety you want a, the pat on the back for being the person to like bring all of this to light I, it just doesn't, it just, to me, I just feel like you can't in the name of establishing a boundary, um, break a boundary. Mm. Ooh. Very you know, good. Are, we are we talking about the new baby? <laughs> are we talking about not Harry and Meghan's new baby, but the other new baby that came into the world this week or? Oh yeah. There's a new well, royal baby. Who? Oh no. Well, Eugenie's baby. Of course he's so adorable. No, the but I'm Eugenie. I'm talking about the um, Baldwin baby. Shall oh. we? How we? How we say, bebe? <laughs> yes, we are absolutely. Cucumber? We are absolutely exactly. talking but, about. You know, that. <laughs> I, I, want, I really wanted that baby to be named Pepino, but you know, it's sort of a very similar. Um, you know, you, you mm. can't kind of like, well, here's the boundary. I'm a mom blogger, so I can like talk all the time about my babies and show pictures of my naked babies and exploit my life as a mom and then cry boundary when you've posted a picture of your new baby and you're like holding the internet hostage. Where did it come from and what is its name? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a very similar- Have your cake and eat it too situation. Yeah, in a very sociopathic way. Before we move on from the Royals, we know we have to talk about something else. The, the James Corden interview with Harry, which oh. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed all 17 minutes. It me made too. me sad because I used to love the Royals so much. And obviously, I know that Meghan and Harry were suffering. And who knows if William Kate, like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that everyone should just pretend that everything was perfectly fine, especially because Harry talked about how his mental health was affected. And that's not good. But it just made me sad because I used to think these people were so fun and lovely. And it was so fun to hear from him. And it's all just taken such a dark turn. And there's, I've got the devil on the shoulder. I've got the girl that loves the drama and the reality TV and was like, let's go, let's expose and let's like shade each other. And then the part of me who's like, oh, but they used to be such a cute little family. And I loved them. But let's talk about double decker bus karaoke because I got to tell you, I loved it so, so, so much. Many things I loved about it. I loved hearing that Megan calls Harry hacks. That was has. 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 that was it. That was amazing. And I loved watching Harry do that obstacle course. Oh my God, so sexy. I mean, Beyond built, sexy. stacked. Beyond sexy. And I also loved, you know, really seeing that Harry's going bald. 
He's not that different from William. I also love seeing Meghan Markle's like completely sunlit, backlit California sunshine. Like, what the hell was that? She looked prettier through a screen than I could ever even dream of looking at like in real life. Well, Sarah, that was not by accident, I'm sure. No, that was a team of people, but she looked hotter than any Instagram baddie. I mean, I was like, I would leave my royal family for that face too. You shine like the actual sun. Well, let's move on to a possum ending. Someone Papa 911, and thanks to caller ID, the paparazzi can rest at last. Wow. Yes, I am talking about Koji and Gustav, Lady Gaga's French bulldogs, who last Wednesday, uh, when they were with their dog walker, Ryan Fisher, who was shot four times in the chest, he's going to make a recovery, by the way, still can't get over that. On the same day that Lady Gaga arrived in Rome to shoot the upcoming House of Gucci movie, she learned that her dogs were found safe. She is, quote, very emotional and very grateful. Lady Gaga offered a $500,000 reward for information about the stolen dogs, and her prayers were answered on Friday when her dogs were brought to the LAPD Olympic Community Police Station by a woman around 6 p.m., According to the AP, um, the detective went into the station, Gaga and a detective went into the station, confirmed the dog's identities, and it is not immediately clear how the woman obtained the dogs, though the AP reported that she was uninvolved and unassociated with Wednesday night's attacks. And a source also told the AP that these were probably individuals recognizing the value of the dogs, but did not know that they were Lady Gaga's puppies. So apparently French bulldogs are like a target in California and just being snatched up. Wow. I know. I was a little surprised that the woman came in and she's like, hi, I I don't know who these dogs are. Please take them and I'll take like that half a million dollars. Yeah, did she from- get the, the money? It is not reported yet if she got the money, but if she's going to bring those dogs into the station, she better be getting some of that 500000 Totally. I was worried that it might have been an inside job somehow. I just think yeah. the whole thing seems a little off. It does. Just like how how like much money can be two French bulldogs, just random ones be worth. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that it was about selling the dogs. It was about the ransom money, but then also it's just like, I don't know. Something seems very, very fishy. Can I just say that I'm so happy the dog walker is going to be okay because I feel like I know Lady Gaga loves her dogs, but I feel as though the the, the getting shot four times didn't get quite as enough attention since everyone was worried about the dogs. <laughs> it's really easy to do that, Sarah. So it's like watching an action movie where you're like, screw these hundred dead people, save the puppies. Right. But yeah, Ryan Fisher is survived and he hopes to go back and work for Gaga. So good luck. <laughs> Sarah, she really was there for all the wrong reasons. Um, don't forget to check out all the right reasons podcast for here us for weekly. the right Sa- reasons. Here for the right reasons podcast on Us Weekly. Sarah Huron is, of course, the host. Sarah, I mean, the Bachelor drama does not stop. I'm sure you've been working overtime. Tell us a little bit about what the daily drama is for the franchise. Oh, yes. I mean, the the Rachel Kirkinell Kirkconnell, how to pronounce it debate continues. And so does what to do. What's a girl to do about Chris Harrison? Emmanuel 
Nacho is going to be hosting after the final rose because Chris Harrison stepped aside as these conversations about race within the Bachelor franchise and the world continue since Rachel Kirkconnell's upsetting social media activity. He is a former NFL player who went viral last year for his um, uncomfortable conversations with a black man YouTube series. They're really well done. Uh, Um, He's been an activist for a long time, but it kind of blew up last year with all the George Floyd stuff. And he knows Rachel Lindsay. He has been on Mike Johnson and Brian's podcast. So he kind of has some sort of tie to the franchise, even though he's obviously never been on the show. So I'm really excited for that. I think it's going to be a way to have this conversation for everyone watching, whether it's people of color who want to be represented and understood and feel like they are an apology and white li- uh, viewers who want to learn something and want to, you know, help move forward and make the franchise fun again. Cause like, let's make this show fun again. So serious, which I know it has to be right now, but um, the latest is Chris Harrison was on going to good morning America today. Um, getting mixed reviews. Oh, his unlikability factor is almost at a hundred, Sarah. Yeah, I think he said a lot of the right things. Um, but he it was really for me, it's always about the execution. So it's the same way as like when you put up the black and white Instagram statement, it's hard to really feel what you're thinking. So when we finally get to see you in person, showing a little emotion, you know, you don't need to break down and cry and has to be hysterical, but be human. Like it felt like he was reading off the script. um, And I don't know if it really resonated. It was hard to like believe what he was saying. And I I almost think it made it worse. Yeah. And the host said that they were surface level apologies, which is what it seemed like. And he's just looking more and more like a Disney villain every day and like antiquated and like he needs to be replaced for me. Yeah. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, it's that balance of the, there's a lot of contestants um, from past seasons, a lot of black contestants saying that they don't really want to be on the show of comparisons, the host next season, specifically next season, because it's not enough time and they wouldn't feel comfortable on paradise or um, Serena P who was just eliminated was like, I don't really want to be the bachelorette if that's what it's like associated with. At the same time, there are also a lot of people upset if Chris Harrison does get fired because they feel like it's not, you know, mm. being where's the forgiveness and, you know, what's the difference between cancel culture and accountability. It's right. all over the map. There's people feeling a lot of different ways about this. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel as though it was a mistake for him to do this interview before after the final rose aired. I think we should have maybe because they're supposed to start filming the bachelorette soon and he wants to be included. He made it very clear he doesn't want to lose his job. Um, and I feel like that was a mistake because we haven't even gotten closure on this yet we've barely even heard from matt james about everything we had rachel Lindsay deactivating her instagram because bachelor nation is coming for her which if you're doing that stop telling people they should die on either side is never going to help like i don't get it so it's just so messy it is real real messy well we'll keep an eye on it i i think the bachelor is such an interesting microcosm for how we relate to each other. Like as people in this country, the Bachelor and the Bachelor Nation audience is a really good barometer of where we are as a country. So I think it's really interesting. It is because they're just real people and they're just, you know, looking for a lifelong partner and going with all that comes with that. Something else happened this week that, I mean, barely anyone cared about because of Meghan Markle, the Golden Globes. Yeah, we got an award (laughs) show, a real one. Gwen, why don't you give us um, your highs and your lows? Well, you know, I got to tell you guys, it wasn't as terrible as I expected it was going to be. So there were, mm, I mean, the telecast was not good. And the telecast was kind of crazy making because... You know, it it kind of was like a magnification 
of how we operate virtually in the years 2020 and 2021. Like, you know, with Daniel Kaluuya, when his audio was off, he was the first person accepting an award. And it was like, you're muted. You're muted. Like, you know, millions of people watching the television were like screaming in unison. So that was kind of a nightmare. And I think even, you know, they tried to create this bubble. So there was a venue in New York at the Rainbow Room. And there was one in LA at the Beverly Hilton where the Globes always happen. And so even the hosts, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, were on separate coasts. And Yeah, I didn't like that. It, well, you know, what always works for the Globes when they host is their energy together because they're like best friends and they really play off each other. And it just didn't work virtually with them in two different places beaming in. It just completely fell flat. So there was that. But what I did really like were the red carpets because in each venue, there were real red carpets. And it was, you know, they really created this bubble microcosm. So everyone was tested and tested and tested. So for the first time, there were like no masks and an actual real red carpet where it was very socially distanced. They were very spaced out. There were only a select number of people. But hey, we had some like serious high glamour. One of my favorite dresses of the night was Amanda Seyfried, who wasn't even uh, at either venue. Fantastic. She beamed in virtually from, I believe she was in Atlanta with her husband where he's working. And she just looked like super duper glamorous. I love the Chanel looks on Andre Day and on Margot Robbie. They were just like to die for. I loved Angela Bassett. Um, I loved um, Regina King. It was, you know, there was just like some serious high glamour. Yeah. Yeah. And that we needed. I haven't had a red carpet like that in literally a year. So it gave me a little bit of what I was missing in that regard. And, you know, let's see. I hope that we will continue to see some serious glamour for the upcoming award shows the SAG Awards, the Grammys, the Oscars, whenever they're going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I have heard rumblings that there is going to be a, a con film festival. So hopefully yeah. we'll get some glamour there. And then later on the Venice Film Festival. But, you know, these telecasts. Uh, it's not where it's down. at. It's, it's just, it's not really working. It was pretty painful. It is. I think we should just favorite... make it shorter. Yeah. I yeah. think less talking. <laughs> yeah. Zoom. Like it, those things don't work, right? Like those kinds of like. They don't work. Like, just go through the awards and, yeah, do some... The only, the only thing I did like, though, was seeing, like, when when they all the nominees were in, like, the same little box and they were talking to each other before they announced the winner. That was kind of cute. And, like, seeing people's houses, I just yeah. feel as though it could have been more entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I loved, like, I loved Kate Hudson in that gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. I think it was... Was it Versace, what she was wearing? I Probably. can't remember. But, you know, it was so cute seeing her entire family just adorable like you know those moments that we don't get to see ordinarily yeah so and you know then just the funny the virtual the hijinks right when like Don Cheadle was pointing at you know who was it to like kind of hurry up and then you know Jason Sudeikis who by the way guys I don't know I'm a little worried about Sudeikis he was wearing like tie-dye sweatshirt and was totally stoned which was like an (laughs) awesome funny moment because we don't ordinarily get that i mean we do for the globes people are hammered drunk sometimes so it's like brought a little bit of that but 
I don't know. I read that the sweatshirt was his sister's brand, which at least made it a little more sense, but it was very confusing. Seeing who dressed up and who didn't was was an eye-opening experience to someone who doesn't pay as close attention to the fashion as you do, Gwen. And also just like the home decor, like Jeff Daniels, where do you live? <laughs> like it was just like funny and weird. I think my favorite was Alec Baldwin making fun of Jillian Anderson because <laughs> um, she gave an acceptance speech and she spoke with an American accent there, but she grew up in London. So she can sort of code switch, do whatever accent because she's grown up around both of them. And then Alec Baldwin tweeted switching accents. That sounds ellipses fascinating which moves us into our next topic hilaria why there's so many of ya <laughs> hilaria and alec baldwin welcomed a baby girl this is their sixth baby just five <laughs> months after welcoming their last um their last was eduardo edu palo lucas who was born in september and on tuesday hilaria announced the name of her baby girl lucia writing on instagram we are so in love with our daughter lucia just like your brothers and sisters you are a dream come true and uh us confirmed that they did obviously welcome this baby via surrogate because she did not turn around a baby in five months even though if anyone's going to do it it'd probably be hilaria the baby maker machine <laughs> but i i thought it was lovely i'm happy about their growing family but whenever families like get above six kids like these days i uh, there's a little bit of cause for i why you know isn't isn't five good yeah i mean i know they've had loss and i can't speak to that and that's yeah. sad because she posted a little bit about that today but i agree it seems a little bizarre to have added another baby right now i mean i guess the, the surrogate was already pregnant before all this happened because of course if people you know cite pr baby scandal but like same thing like with stassi schroeder last year like she was already yeah. pregnant before you know you can't control that um yeah. yeah i i just hope they're maybe they're done now not that it's my place to say but yeah, Maybe. I mean, it definitely distracted us from the accent switching scandal a little bit. So good on Lucia for that. Thank you. Gracias. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Blake and Gwen are getting married and having a baby when the voice buttons have Gwen pressed, the chairs have Gwen turned, and they both said, we want you. Yes, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton have decided to have a baby via surrogate, a source tells Us Weekly, that Stefani has been getting fertility treatments all year, but they haven't been working, so they decided to hire a surrogate. Their wedding was, of course, pushed back by the pandemic, but they are ready to have a baby now. The source also says Gwen is not scared about having a baby at 51. She is full of energy and excited to be a mom in game, a uh, mom again. Just in case you forgot, Gwen and her kids have been living part-time at Blake's gigantic Oklahoma ranch. And I sort of love that Gwen Stefani is becoming a mom at 51 well, because she looks 26. And I just sort of love them together. Any thoughts, people? If anybody can do it, she can do it. <laughs> you know, she can dance, she can sing, she can move. She's like got a ton, a ton, a ton of energy. And, you know, her other kids are, are pretty you know, they're, they're cute and sort of grown up. Right. So yeah, like, yeah, they can help take care of the baby. It'll be really fun for them. I think. 
Yeah, and they were, Blake and Gwen were pushing back their wedding, sources were telling us, because she was waiting for an annulment from the Catholic Church from her wedding to Gavin Rosdale so they could get properly married in a Catholic Church. That's very important for Gwen. So it seems like everything's coming up roses for Miss Stefani, the other Gwen, as I like to call her. Um, I just can't wait to see the next wedding dress because her wedding dress to Gavin, uh, the pink, it was pink. On the One bottom, it's an ombre pink wedding dress. Like, if it's if she's gonna top that, I just I don't know what I'll do, Trav. I'll go uh-huh. wild. It was one of my favorite wedding dresses. Like her and like Khalees. Like I love those like off color wedding dresses. I'm so indifferent to those two, but happy for you know that I am. Well, you know they sell really well on the cover, so people like seeing their faces. Well, Taylor Swift has heard a joke, and now all she's seeing is red. Um, Sarah, what can you tell us about my new favorite show, Ginny and Georgia, on Netflix? The best Have you series. watched it? Yes, I watched the whole thing. It's the best series Netflix has had in forever. Really? So funny. What? Yes. It is number one on Netflix for a reason. It is hysterical. Oh my god! I have not I watched a watch second. Of I just started Georgia. watching it because it was number one. I was like, let's see what the people are talking about. Hysterical, edgy, funny, amazing. I feel like Lady Gaga and that clapping gift. Brilliant! Another club, another club. Just, it's fantastic. You you can't be suggesting it's as good as Outer Banks. <laughs> I like hit I last was, year. It was funnier than Outer Banks, but I definitely enjoyed Outer Banks a lot. But it's just, it's a hysterical, like riveting show. And it's like really surprising. I literally can't talk it up enough. Watch it. It's great. You will not wow. like, I'm yeah. I'm shocked. Well, you can maybe give me a little bit more context to what this joke was about, but I will read you Taylor Swift's response because there's a screenshot going around of one of the characters saying, what do you care? You go through men faster than Taylor Swift, which, you know, is something people have joked about forever, her boyfriends. And Taylor Swift responded, hey, Ginny in Georgia 2010 calls and wants its lazy, deeply sexist joke back. How about we stop degrading hardworking women by defining this horseshit as funny? Also at Netflix, after Miss Americana, this outfit doesn't look cute on you. Broken heart emoji. Happy Woman's History Month, I guess. Yeah, and this show is like really... It's women-centric. It's written by women, starring women. So it's very like a feminist show. So it was sort of strange to see that like, oh, Taylor Swift is a hoe because she's dated a lot of guys, passe joke that I didn't love. Um, But hopefully they apologize. And they're so damn good that I can't wait for season two. And I bet they make it up to Taylor Swift there. Yeah, I like, um, I think it was a lazy joke overall, but I also like, I was reading that people were saying in the context, like that was part of it. Like it was like someone trying to relate. I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe context is important here and I can't speak to that because I didn't watch the show. I did and it still came off bad. Okay. It came off bad. It was very much like the Selena Gomez peacock, uh, to to stay by the bell drama. Like, but it's, I don't know, I guess the writer's rooms need to maybe think a little bit on who has very large followings that are going to clap back at their jokes. Seriously, seriously. Um, Taylor Swift is in the news again because she has a new friend. But, you know, I want to talk about that's Olivia Rodrigo, but she has a celebrity crush. And Olivia, you better go because it is Pete Davidson, guys. She, uh, they did an SNL sketch about driver's license that Pete Davidson was in. Very funny. Loved it. Whatever. Olivia said, quote, 
I was absolutely floored. I was screaming. I think being made fun of and parried on SNL is the biggest compliment. I had actually no idea it was going to be on there. Pete Davidson, who is my biggest celebrity crush, was singing it and compared me to Taylor Swift, who's my idol. And it was on my 18th birthday, too. That was crazy. And just Olivia out there, ethos, stay away from Pete Davidson, you 18-year-old precious girl. He's not good for you. (laughs) He's bad. Run in the other direction. Protect Olivia at all costs. Protect her. Well, Taylor Swift is trying to protect her because Olivia went on to say, I got a letter from Taylor Swift last night, which is insane. I opened it for the first time and I'm still reeling. Literally, my tears are on it. My snot from sobbing. My eyes out are on it. I love her. And she gave me this ring and she said it was just like the one she wore in red and she wanted me to have it. And then all of this like amazing stuff, like she hand wrapped these gifts. Uh, The ring in question, Um, was a Kathy Waterman love ring, $3,200, one of Taylor Swift's favorite jewelers. And I thought that was really adorable that Taylor did that to like a young up-and-coming singer-songwriter. Yeah, um, love it. They remind me of each other. Driver's License is still a banger. Team Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm happy Taylor Swift is, you know, being kind to her. Absolutely. I agree. One hundo. Hundo P. And stay away from Pete Davidson, Olivia. You're too precious. You're too precious. Do you guys know what it's time for? My God, are we going to box now? Because I'm feeling a little aggressive today. (laughs) Yes, it's time for Celebrity Birthday Boxing Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, today we have some very, very fun birthdays. All female cast in the boxing ring. It is ladies boxing night today in the arena. The first match we have, um, it's sort of a, a starter match. It's Reese Witherspoon, who is 45 this week, versus her alter ego, Laura Jean, who is also 45 this week. Gwen, who is going to win, Reese Witherspoon or her uh, alcohol-infused uh, character, Laura Jean? I mean, it's not easy to choose. This is not easy to choose. It's not easy. Laura Jean, say... is, when she was pulled over for the DUI, she says, do you know who the F I am? And tried to assault a police officer and tries to make out with Victoria's Secret angels and elevators. I love Laura Jean. I think Laura Jean would take it. I think you're oh, right. Thank goodness. Well, the next bout is for you, uh, Miss Sarah Huron. We have Olivia Wilde, who is 36 today, versus... Before she before he cheats, that was a little, you know, Harry Styles reference there. Carrie Underwood, who is 37 this week. Wow. Wow, yes. wow, wow. Wow, Bethany, wow. Um, I know. It's a tough one. They're pretty evenly matched. They are pretty evenly matched. You know, Olivia Wilde, she's Mrs. Harry Styles right now. It's quite the journey. I'm excited for that movie to come out. But I like Carrie Underwood. You know, oh. that whole thing happened with her face and all those <laughs> mysteries. And maybe she, you know, is ready to get back out there. Let's give it to Carrie, our American our, Idol. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations, Carrie Underwood. The biggest thing you've won since American Idol. All right, Gwen Flamberg, the next bout is to you. Sharon Stone is 62 and still looking fine this year. Versus Laura Prepont, Prepont who is 40 years old this week. Interesting, interesting match. Well, here's the thing. Laura Papon has got, you know, the Church of Scientology on her side. So she yeah. may have some special powers that L. Ron Hubbard has bestowed upon her. The yeah. new. You know, Sharon Stone is Sharon Stone. She is hot AF at her age. And also, you know, she could basic instinct anyone. So I say she's going to like, you know, she might take a shiv 
out from the basic instinct area and just, you know, right in the neck. Oh my God, a vaginal shiv. This is the first one we had. I am here for it. Well, uh, a drunk Sarah Huron, this is to you. A drunk Reese Witherspoon, Laura Jean, has come into the ring and she is facing 75-year-old Liza Minnelli. That's right. Liza has been wheeled out against drunk Laura Jean, Reese Witherspoon, who is going to win. (laughs) Can I just ask where this Laura Jean thing came from? Is this like a real thing or did we make this Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Gawker did this like whole expose on Laura Jean about like every time like Reese Witherspoon is like shit faced at like weddings. And like there's this great video of her with Cara Delevingne in the elevator. And then if you listen to the like body cam audio of her getting her DUI arrest, Laura Jean, look her up. You won't be disappointed. Wow. I mean, I love Reese Witherspoon so much. And I think that that arrest, it humanized her, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. condone drinking and driving by any means, but. I love a do you know who I am? So she wins this one for me. Oh, I'm so sorry, Liza Minnelli. So sorry to see you go. All right, Gwen Flamberg. These three ladies left in. Only one winner, Laura Jean, 45, stumbling in there. Carrie Underwood, she's got that Americana smile. And Sharon Stone is uncrossing her legs right before this match. I think that Laura Jean stumbles drunkenly out of the ring. Uh-huh. Carrie Underwood, she gets Sharon Stone into like one of those wrestling holds where her long, fabulous muscular legs are around her neck. Mm -hmm. A half Nelson. I guess. I mean, maybe that's what it's called. Is that what it's called, Trav? It could be. I'm not an authority. I don't know. But again, Sharon Stone taps into her basic instinct power and she just shoots Carrie Underwood. Out of the ring. And of course, Sharon Stone at, what is it? 53? 62. 62. Takes it. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations, Sharon Stone. I love you. Big fan of you and Halle Berry's Catwoman. I'm probably the only person who would say that. Thank you so much to my host, Gwen and Sarah. I needed you more today than ever for helping me spill all of this piping hot celebrity. This is Travis Cronin, Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast with your weekly peek into the glamour, glitter, fashion, fame of your favorite celebrities. After all, they're just like us. 